Welcome to the Lighthouse 805 podcast. This week, our title is, I Can't Espresso How Much You've Been to Me. Let's listen in. Good morning. Good morning. Are you guys doing okay today? Great. Do you, do you need more coffee? You're good? You're set? Uh, we are in the Brew ser- Sermon Series. This is the life of a coffee bean is complete service. We're looking at, from start to finish, a coffee bean that's been planted all the way through to the end when it's a cup of coffee. It's the full, complete process. And right now, in the ser- sermon series, or right after the coffee being ground. This is, this is the next step after coffee being ground. You might think, well, yeah, now I drink it. But actually, that's not the next step. Did you know that? Right after it's been ground from the roaster, there's, there's another step before you get to enjoy it. It's still at the roaster's. Something interesting about coffee is there's nothing in it for the coffee bean. There's, there's nothing there. The whole life of a coffee bean is to serve someone else. It's a life of service. In the first week, we, we looked at um, service is about the heart. When you serve, you're actually worshiping God. It's, it's this act of worship in reality. So, today's sermon, it's actually this process called cupping. It's where the coffee roaster takes the grounds, puts it in a cup, pours hot water, lets it steep for a couple minutes, and then takes a spoon and sips it and slurps it, and he's able to identify all that he needs to, to know about it. Is, it. is it good enough? Is it bad enough? Does it taste like the origin? Does it have the right fruits? Does it have the right caramel? All the different things. It's, it's the process where he can identify, is this batch good or not? And if so, where does it go? It's, it's really interesting. It's, it's the moment before it, it proceeds forward. It's kind of like this, this first impressions. Have you, ever had, have you ever had a really bad first impressions? Yeah. yeah. Has anyone ever had a really bad first impressions of you? Yeah. <laughs> Peggy's laughing harder than I've ever seen her laugh. <laughs> first impressions. I, I wanted to give a first impression. I've shared this story before. It's one of my favorites, but I want to give a first impressions. Um, I'm, I'm from Oregon, and uh, I would say we weren't as cultured where I grew up. It was kind of in farmland. I took the kids out there to see the summer, and they were looking around. They're like, well, where's everything else? <laughs> it's, just, it's just fields. It's just trees, and that's, that's it. And I, I remember being in Oregon, and one of my favorite foods was tacos. Um, I, I love tacos. I just could never get enough of tacos. And so then I moved out here to go to college, and it's awesome because I moved to East L.A., which we all know is land of tacos. There are so many tacos, and you can go anywhere. And I remember coming out here, and I was sharing with a friend. I was like, man, I had good tacos in forever. Like, I've only been here for a few weeks. I just need some tacos. And he's like, <laughs> pick a place. And I was like, I haven't seen any taco places. And he's like, just completely puzzled. Like, now I know, looking out, I could see 20 to 30 in just like a blink, you know? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, good tacos. And he's like, I think I need you to explain what you mean by good tacos. And I was like, Taco Bell. Where is a Taco Bell? And he's like, what? Like completely confused. And I was like, yeah, in Oregon, that's, that's where you go to get tacos. That's the only place, unless you just knew someone who's going to make you a taco in their house. That was where you got tacos when I was growing up. It has changed since then. Patty can attest. There are more places Kind of. I should say there's more place, okay? There is another place. There, it's there. So I came out there, 
and I'm talking with the guy, and, he, and I was like, you know, we've got to find a Taco Bell. He goes, hold on. Why don't we, I'll find you a Taco Bell if you want one, but let me take you to an actual taco place. You can try it, and then if you don't like it, we'll go to Taco Bell. And I'm like, okay, what's the difference? You know, I'm just kind of like skeptical, and, and we, we, we walk like 10 feet, and there's a, uh, there's a meat market there. There's like a market, and I was like, no, dude, we, are we going to stop to get a drink right now? Like, what are you, what are you doing? He goes, this is a taco place. This is, this is not a taco place. There's like soda in the front. He goes, no, you walk to the back and they make you a taco. <laughs> I was like, I was completely confused. I was like, what are you even talking about? Um, they have a similar one off, what is it, 10th in Santa Paula? Uh, what is that place called? No, it's the other one. It's like all the way up. You go to the end. I can't remember. Anyways, 10th Street Market. That's the one. Yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> that's good. So we're, we eat at the market, and he makes the taco, and then they hand it to me, and has the two tortillas, you know, the, the tiny ones, and then it has the meat on top, and the onion cilantro, and I was like, that is not, it's not even wrapped. There's no paper on it. And he's like, he's like, just take a bite. And so I took a bite, and I was like, what have I been missing? I just couldn't, I like, I, I want to say a single tear came down that day, and I was just like, this is a taco. And I just, my life was changed, and I had a real first impression of what a taco was. It, was. it completely shattered my expectations of what tacos were. I went back to Taco Bell, and I was like, this is not as good. I said something else. But first impressions. See, with the coffee, when, when the cupping happens, they put the, they put the grounds in, and they put the water in, and they have to go, and they get a quick first impressions. That's it. One taste and then that, that, that master cupper has everything he needs to know about that coffee. He can taste the origin. He can taste the flavor. He can taste everything about the aroma that hits him. He knows the quality of beans that are together just from one sip. And it's interesting. I really want to talk about what it means to have a good first impression. So point number one today is what the world needs, what the world needs. You know, there's a, there's a big difference between need and want, right? Like, there's a lot of things I want on this planet, probably will never get. But there are core needs and essentials that, that I have to have to survive. And they're taken care of. And, and sometimes the world can really get that, get that mixed up, you know? The world can really get Christians mixed up in that too. Well, I want Christians to disappear. I want them to stop bugging me. I want this and I want that. But really, they need believers praying for them. They, they, need, they need Christians. They need Jesus in their life. It's a necessity. So number one, what the world needs. And, and I want to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 5 through 7. This is the greatest first impression in the entire Bible um, in the Old Testament. It's where the queen of Sheba comes, hears about uh, this other king, and is like, I'm going to personally roll up into his land to just make sure I'm hearing what I'm hearing and I can see what I'm seeing. It's this first impression the queen of Sheba has of King Solomon. She said to the king, verse 5, It's all true. Your reputation for accomplishment and wisdom that reached all the way to my country is confirmed. So all the exaggerations, all the embellishments, everything that people gossiped and talked about him, she's like, I can't believe this. 
it's true. You, you have all this love. You have all this accomplishment. You have done so much. And everything that was said is true. I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen it for myself. They didn't exaggerate. Such wisdom and elegance, far more than I could ever have imagined. Lucky the men and women who work for you, getting to be around you every day and hear your wise words firsthand. Uh, this the story completely amazes me. That the queen of Sheba, the, the, this queen of an entire kingdom, is impressed. Right? That's, that's not really heard of. You don't have a ruler or a king show up to another kingdom and go, man, you're, t- you're doing it. You're so much better than me. There's too much pride and ego at the top, you know? But when you're that blown away, it, it's, it's astonishing. And I love it because the first impression is huge. Uh, I, I read all these articles on cupping and they really look for three things. And I think it's almost ironic because that's the three things that the world needs of Christians. Listen to this. A, liveliness. A cupper will first look for liveliness of the coffee bean. What's happening in the mouth? Is it lively or does it just feel stale and dead? Like when you first take a sip of coffee, are you just brought to life? Oh, that's good. Or is it, eh, it's not great. You know, there's this liveliness that people look for in coffee. and, And likewise, do we have a liveliness as being a Christian, are we full of the life of God that Jesus has given us? Or are we just kind of like, eh? Like, do people encounter us and they're like, that person just feels dead? Or are we giving off this energy of liveliness and excitement? And when people see us, they're like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. It's liveliness. What does the world need? Number or B? Depth. When a, when a cupper first tastes it, they, they want to express the depth there. Sterling, the, the breaker went off. You have to actually push the button. So depth is there. So for the Queen of Sheba, that's crazy. She is so blown away of his depth. That's what's happening here. She's, she can't believe the wise wisdoms. It, it says in, in the first part, verse 1 through 4, she shows up and asks some questions, and he gives answers that no one else has ever been able to give. No stewards, no people, nothing has ever been able to give these, these answers before, ever. And he gives the depth there. So when you taste a, a cup of coffee, and there's complexity to it. There's this depth that you can taste these chocolatey notes and, and you can taste some citrus and you can taste all these different flavors. The, the more you get snobby, snobbyish about coffee, snooty about coffee, I don't know whatever the word is, snobby, whatever. Snobbish, that's a fun one to say. Okay, snobbish. There, there's this depth to it. And likewise, have you ever had a conversation and someone's been talking to you? And then you all of a sudden just like have this random answer that pops up out of nowhere that's only the Holy Spirit. And they're like, they're kind of thrown back. They're like, how did, what? They're like, that's really good. That's, that's what I needed. There's this depth that's behind us when we have the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the world needs depth. The world needs us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the last thing, 
that a cupper looks for on the first taste is the finish. The finish. It's, it's said that when they take a, a sip and they slurp it in, it's really funny to watch people cupping coffee. Like, it's like, why are you doing that? And so they do that, and then after they swallow or they spit it out, however they do it, the finish is what's left in your mouth afterwards. What's the taste that's left? Likewise, as a Christian, when we talk to someone, what's the impression that we left in their lives? Was it, oh, I don't like that person. They're annoying. They did blah, 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 whatever. Or was it, man, I just feel encouraged. I feel built up. I feel excited. I, I feel refreshed after talking to that person. There's this finish. The world needs liveliness, depth, and a, and a strong finish. That's, that's, that's our responsibility to provide that for the world. King Solomon knocked it out of the park for the Queen of Sheba. So, one of, the, one of the interesting things about cupping is this moment is the first time someone tastes what the coffee beans are together. Do you know, you don't make a cup of coffee with one coffee bean, right? If you, ha- if you did, it, it'd just be murky water. That's, that's no good. You have, to, you have to actually take a lot of coffee beans, mix them together, grind them up, and then you pour water over it together. It's, it's literally the first time all the coffee beans are in community and it's tasted. And I, I was reflecting on this concept of what it means when we're all together. We're all together and we're all serving and we're all worshiping God together. This, this concept of we're like this coffee, if you will. See, one of the devastating parts of a church is we can assume one person is going to just do it all. They're going to preach. They're going to worship. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to invite. They're going to greet. They're going to blah, blah, blah. One person can't do it all. The church just becomes murky, like murky water, just like at one coffee bean to a cup of coffee. No, it's, it's our core responsibility that we're all doing this all together. And that's what, that's what makes the flavor of coffee. It's that we're in unity we're coming together. So number two, what we need. First one is what the world needs, but number two is what, what we need. I need, you need, what, what we need together. So Second Chronicles 9, 3 through 4 says this, When the queen of Sheba experienced for herself Solomon's wisdom and saw with her own eyes the palace he had built. Really, really think about that. Did Solomon build it himself? No, that's King Solomon's palace and temple is huge. He couldn't have done it. He couldn't, he doesn't know how to stone cut. He had to hire stone cutters. He doesn't know how to gather. He didn't go out and farm and provide all the food for, you know, there was a lot more at it. So with their own eyes, the palace he had built, the meals that were served, the impressive array of court officials, the sharply dressed waiters, the cupbearers, and then the elaborate worship extravagant with the whole burnt offerings at the temple of God. It all took her breath away. Just, just think about that for a second. The queen of Sheba, the, the queen of an entire kingdom lost her breath at what she just saw. Have you ever just been breathless? There's this moment, she walks in, sees another kingdom, 
And it's like she's in awe, right? And, and her response isn't that she's jealous. Her response is, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I can't believe that these people are working in unity. She, she references how they're sharply dressed. Like, that's so weird. Why would you mention that? It's because the people in those positions care so much about what they're doing that they make sure that they do it with excellence. It's that every single person is in the right place at the right moment doing it amazingly. And it takes her breath away. Man, can you imagine if the North American church got this? Can you imagine if our church just got this? We just say, you know what? It's about us. And we're going to operate amazingly together. It's not about one person. It's about all of us together. What we need, A, the fullness of we. Have you ever, have you ever been in a situation where, have you ever had a boss say, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And then the back of your mind, you're like, we or me? <laughs> and you realize real fast, you know exactly who they're talking about. Like I, I've, been on those, I've been on those phone meetings and, you know, my boss and it's a bunch of us on the team, I, my boss will say, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And they're t- telling the client, and the client's, all oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was taking notes and I was like, I know I'm doing this. I know it's going to be me. I know what's happening. You know, it, it's not about the me, it's about we, right? We need to take care of this together. The fullness, there, there's something about a fullness of we. If one person does it, you can tell. Because there's corners that are cut, because they can't do it all, so they have to save time, they have to save energy. You know when one person's doing everything. Because they are stressed out, they are tired, and they snap at everyone. Everything might be done, but now their heart's not in anymore because they're just frustrated. Because they're like, I thought more people were going to help out here. So there, there's a, a fullness of we. She's completely blown away because his people, Solomon, caught it. They all jumped in together and said, we're going to build the temple of God. We're going to make sure that we host people well. We're going to make sure that this is what's going to look like. That's, that's actually the heart of what the dream of this church is. We're going to build the church together. We're going to host people well. We're going to serve people. We're going to make people feel loved. That's, that's what our goal is. B, the complexity of of with. With. The, the idea of with is lost on so many people. It's just, it's like a foreign concept now. Because before it's like divide and conquer, you do this, I'll do this. But there's this, this word that's, it means exponential, right? Or synergy. When we come together and we do it together at the same time, our relationship grows and we accomplish it faster and better than ever before. It's the same concept of, I preached on this a long time ago, the concept of with. Do you know when you invite someone to church or you invite someone to something? It's, it's hey, you, you got to come to my church. You got to come to this. You got to come to that. People are like, oh, okay. All right. You know, it may never come. 
But the, it's different when you said, would you come w- with me? Because all of a sudden it's a, it's a we versus you. Like, I, I want to come with, let's be together. It's really interesting. I, when I invite people to church and when I was younger, it's like, like you, sh- you got to come. No one will come, you know? And I'm like, hey, why don't you just come with me? I'll pick you up whenever, blah, blah, and we'll hang out afterwards. They're like, oh, okay. It's a, it's a different concept. It's a different ball game. It's so complex. It's just one word difference. C, the aromatic of worship. The aromatic, it's this concept that people can just sense and feel and taste and smell that there's just something different about music versus worship. Not only that, not just the sounds and the songs, but it's like our hearts. When our hearts are filled with serving and service and this idea of worship, there is something different. Like, have you ever, have you ever said you've seen someone, like, walking towards a door, and they have a stroller and, like, a million other things, and you're like, oh, oh, hold on, let me get the door for you, and you have this, this heart of service, which is worship, their, their eyes change, because at first they're, like, they're, like, trying to do it, and you're like, hey, let me get this, and you open it, and you let them through, and they're like, wow, thank you so much. It, 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 their, their entire posture changes because you have shifted into an attitude of worship. I want to treat people how God sees people. This, this, this concept. Number three, so how do we get there? How do we get there? How do we, how do we accomplish what the world needs and how do we accomplish what we need? How do we get to that place? Because right now, it's kind of lofty concepts. It's like, yeah, that's great. So how do I do it? How do we get there? One of the, the last things that uh, on um, every uh, interview and every Wikipedia article and all the other things about cupping that I came across, they would always mention something. It, it always stuck out. They would always say, I'm tasting for blah, blah, and I'm looking for the origin. Where's the origin of the bean? Where does it come from? Because when you buy coffee beans, you buy it for the origin because it gives a very distinct flavor. If you buy coffee beans in Hawaii, it has a different flavor than if you buy coffee beans in Wisconsin. It's completely different flavors. Some of you go, there's coffee beans from Wisconsin? I don't know, but they're not going to taste like they're from Hawaii. (laughs) Different locations give different flavors. They might have citrus notes, versus dark chocolate notes. But the origin is evident when you drink it. Likewise, what I'm trying to get at here is when people encounter us, do they know our origin? Do they know where we're coming from? Do they know that we're heaven-bound, that we came from the Creator, and they can just taste it all over us? They just know it. Our origin is huge. So how do we accomplish these things? It's because of our origin. Second Chronicles 9.8 says this, And blessed be your God who has taken such a liking to you, making you king. Clearly. When the Bible says clearly, it means everyone knows God's love for Israel is behind this. Making you king to keep a just order and nurture a God-pleasing people. Clearly. 
God's love is here. Everyone knows it. People in my kingdom have told me about it. It's kind of, it's kind of, she came here because she's like, no one is this good. I'm amazing and no one's better than me. And she's like, when she starts hearing all the rumors of people coming back to her land, saying, you're not as good as this, she's like, hold up, I'm gonna go check it out. Let me prove you wrong. And then she sees it and she's like, uh-oh, there is something different. Clearly, God's love is here. There's nothing no person on earth could have done to do this without God's help. So how do we get there? A, time planted. We're going back to the origin of the coffee bean. A coffee bean doesn't become a coffee bean unless time it's planted in the ground. You don't take a seed and just make coffee bean. No, you have to plant it and let it mature, planted through a season of time. How do you get to the place where you're in unity with other believers? You stay planted. Connect the dots here. How, how do you stay in love with God? and you keep growing and maturing, and people can sense the origin of God in your life, you stay planted. You stay rooted down. The difference between plants and humans is people are always moving around, but plants, they have the roots that connect them there, and God's calling us to say, I need you to be planted. Be secure in your foundation. Stick to those around you for a season, because all the complexities are coming out. I need you to be planted. That's how the origin it becomes ingrained in us. B, farmer pruned. When we're in the ground, we're planted. Man, pruning season is like the worst. That's when someone points out your faults and says, you need to work on this. And you're like, ugh, let me get a second opinion. <laughs> okay? Can we be honest? Like, yeah. yeah. Farmer pruned. It's saying, God, I'm going to stay planted even when you start working on my heart and I don't like what you say. I'm going to stay planted. I don't like that word. It hurt me. Well, yeah, because you got to deal with some stuff. But yeah, I'm comfortable in my life. No, you need to deal with some stuff. See, when, when God starts pruning you, he starts removing off the dead areas of your life so that the real beans can come through. The real coffee beans can start maturing. Do you know when on trees, when there's little saplings and all the different other things, growth that's happening, it's stealing nutrients away from the coffee bean? So the coffee beans can't mature fully and the flavor is diminished because other things are stealing away the nutrients that needs to be going to those coffee beans. It's interesting. Certain things in our lives will be stealing away our time, our energy, and our finances that we need to be devoting towards God. Certain things can, can get us off track and distracted when those things are what need to be pointing us towards God. And C, handpicked. Handpicked. If we would just get this concept, our, our lives would just be changed. The concept that God has said, I choose you. You are my first pick. You are my choice. You are my son. You are my daughter. I choose you. I adopt you into the kingdom. Well, I'm just not good enough. Uh, God has chosen you, and he said you are good enough. And through pruning and being planted, you will see how good you are. He doesn't see you where you're at, and he doesn't see you where you used to be. He actually sees where you're headed. 
That's, that's, the, that's the amazingness of God. He's like, I, I see where you're becoming. It's so good. Yeah, but God, I'm, I'm messing up all over the place. Yeah, I know. You've got to stay planted. You've got to be pruned. But I see where you're going, and I am madly in love with you. It's like, well, God, let me remind you. Let me, let me tell you about this. I, I remember one time, I, I was a youth pastor. I was sitting in there, and the youth pastor said, why do we always try to remind God about our past? It's like, oh, I screwed up here, so I can't, I can't do this. And in reality, Jesus has washed that away from our lives through his blood. And because he washed away, he has forgotten it. And you're trying to remind God about something that he doesn't remember because he's forgiven it. It's like, well, God this and God that. And it's like, I'm actually over here now. Do you want to catch up to me? Come on, buddy. Catch up. Come on. Let it go. Don't let the enemy keep lying to you. Stop, stop sticking your past. See, God, God needs us to step it up. The world needs us to bring our unity. And we need to live in a life of love and committed fellowship with each other and God. Amen? Yes. Let's close our eyes. Lord, first impressions are huge. I pray that we would understand how you've made us. Keep us planted, God, because first impressions are happening every single day with how our communities see us, how people in work see us, how our friends see us, how all of it happens. Lord, minister to where we're at and help us keep moving forward in life to where you see us headed. Don't let us get stuck. Let us move forward. In your mighty name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast this week. We are currently in our brew series. This week was, I can't espresso how much you've been to me. To learn more about us, learn more about our midweek online or in-person small groups, or even to support us financially, visit us online at lighthouse805.com. Thanks.